0: We continue the We Believe series. Yes. And today we come to a new part of the series. We get to the third section, the third paragraph of this message. And would you read with me? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting... Amen. And so I have the privilege of talking to you on the topic that actually for decades I've wanted to speak on because I actually wanted to get an assignment to where I had to spend time going through the entire Bible and looking what it says about the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting what's in there. So I get to share with you from the overflow of the study. So I'm going to give you three one-third sermons. That's all I could do. Yes, I had to cut three sermons down into thirds and then glue it all together, and here's what we got. And so today I get to share with you why Jesus emphasized the importance of his leaving so that the Holy Spirit would come. Why did he do that? It almost sounded like he was saying it's more important that he goes and that the Holy Spirit comes. Why did he put that kind of crazy emphasis on it? Well, today we got to find out, first of all, who is the Holy Spirit? First two points are the Holy Spirit. And then, what does the Holy Spirit do? What's he done for you? Do you experience the Holy Spirit? How many of you have actually let the Holy Spirit give you a personal growth plan? Uh Uh-huh. A personal development plan. Last service, I asked for a raise of hands. I might just do that this service too. Have you ever sat down and written out your tailored first personal growth plan? So we look at these five concepts. I believe that the Holy Spirit exists and is powerful, and I also believe in adoption. What does that have to do with it? Well, read this verse with me out loud. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry. Uh Uh-huh. It sounded wonderful. You cry out, Daddy. You do that. You cry out in such tenderness and such intimacy with God that you say, Daddy, Daddy. And that's where this message is intended to take you, that you would fall in love with the Holy Spirit and upgrade his work in your life. So we need to get to these five points. Here we go. The first one is is that the Spirit is a he not an it. And so many people think of the Holy Spirit as this power force, you know. Maybe it's from some movie they watched, you know. And they they think that somehow uh, the force will come on you and involuntarily uh, you're forced to do things. That's not the case at all. Okay, I want everyone to grab the steering wheel with me. Okay, here we go. Okay, everybody, you're still at the wheel. You're still at the wheel. Now imagine the Holy Spirit telling you, go left. And the Holy Spirit telling you, go right. And the Holy Spirit saying, hit the gas. Not that hard. (laughs) Yeah, and sometimes he says, hit the brakes. And the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Do you consider the Holy Spirit an it or a personal being? Yeah, I, I realize that the Holy Spirit's powerful. Okay, there's a, there's a plug-in on the wall over there. Okay, so you, you take whatever, you got to plug it in, but you don't go over to the wall and start talking to the wall. Well, if you do, that's a different problem, okay? But if you just are plugging in a device to get, to get electricity, charging your phone, whatever, that's normal. The Holy Spirit is more than a plug-in. The Holy Spirit's a person. How well do you know him? Really, how well well do you know him? Does he give you direction? Does he help you with your uh, emotions when they get a little flared up? When your thoughts are racing, right? And you're just kind of in this flood. Does the Holy Spirit actually help you to get... Composure. And so we are talking about what the scripture says about how the the Holy Spirit has personality, has traits like you do, only his traits are in perfect balance so that he can coach you. Who's your life coach? Is the Holy Spirit your life coach? He has intelligence. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. He searches you and he knows me. He knows all our weaknesses. He knows all our strengths. He knows all the things we need to learn. And so he searches these things. The spirit makes decisions. He has choice and will. The metaphor in scripture is the wind blowing. Last night, did, you know, did the wind blow really hard where you were at? We have it with our window. In the summer, we keep our window open. So all of a sudden, the wind started blowing, and I started hearing things falling and you know, so I go to the window and I'm looking out there and a little bit of light out there, I just see, you know, plastic flapping and leaves blowing and, and it just looks like, wow, there's this just something going on out there. And you know what the scripture says? The wind blows wherever it pleases. You can't, you can't determine where it goes. You just observe where it goes and you just observe the effects of it. Have you observed that about the Holy Spirit? You hear its sound, you cannot tell where it comes from, where it's going, so it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. The moment you believed in Jesus and put your faith in him, his Holy Spirit came into you to live in you and direct you and make choices and help guide you. Remember, you're still at the wheel. He's trying to help guide you in your decision-making. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So everybody who's a believer has received the Spirit of God. You're his child. He's claiming you. And he's waiting for you to cultivate your relationship with him. How many times this week has the Holy Spirit received a thought from you? A prayer from you, an intentional request from you to guide you, to show you something, to teach you something. He's willing to do that. He wants to do that. And this is what I found so amazing. The Holy Spirit has lots of emotion. How many of you have lots of emotion? I'm kind of one of those passionate people that you know express a lot, so when I got a phone call last night telling me that my friend in Mexico had died from COVID, I got emotional. You know? It was heavy. And then I thought, I know exactly what he said, probably to you, Lord Jesus, as he was laying there in bed in his last moments, I'm ready. Because that's what he told me when we got together. When we got together four months ago over at Smitty's, he said to me, hey, Ken, when it's my time to go, I'm ready. I'm excited. You know, he actually kind of jumped up like this. And, and then I got the phone call last night that, that he had passed away from COVID. And it was like, wow, you beat me there, Dave. You beat me there. Wow. Well, the Holy Spirit experiences emotion. And some of those emotions, though they're healthy, reflect that something's up. You know, emotions are like that. Yeah? Green light, go ahead, emotion. Uh, Yellow light, uh, prepare to stop, caution, danger, right? Red light, stop. And the Holy Spirit has emotions that help you and I to get in touch with our emotions and learn to control them. So when we kind of mess up, no, when we mess up, when we actually mess up, this is what he does. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit is holy and is perfect in every way, his righteousness, his goodness is reflected in this holy quality. And he's grieved when we haven't gone there. And so we see how he is very personal And even the pronouns in Scripture identify the Holy Spirit as a personal being. He's a he, not an it. The spirit of truth, the world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you do. Through faith in Jesus, you know him, for he lives with you and he will be with you. That is pretty cool stuff. That's why he's waiting for you to engage So Josh and I, my son that was up here this morning, we had this discussion late one night about the Holy Spirit. And we were discussing, you know, do you have to get the Spirit, you know, do you have to take a pry bar and get the Holy Spirit to respond to you? And as we talked about it, we realized you don't. It's the exact opposite. He's ready, he's willing, he's excited. He's just waiting for us to show interest. He's a person. And he relates personally. This list could go long. You're lucky. God does miracles. I'm only going to give you two things. He's supportive. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And to testify means that he's confirming in your heart and mind and emotions that you're saved and that you're secure. What a wonderful feeling. He's not leaving you And even when you walk away from him, guess what? He hasn't left. He's still pursuing you. He's just waiting for you to decide to turn around and come back. He's supportive. And then he's transformative. In other words, he he knows us so well. He knows my weaknesses. He knows, oh my goodness, can I tell you this? I lose it in the garden. (laughs) This week was... Pastor Ken out there in the garden throwing rocks. That's right. Because I go out to the garden, I take my garden really personally. I kind of love my garden. That's right. And so when I go out there and I see that the deer have helped themselves to my broccoli, I didn't have good thoughts about deer. And then, I go over to my zucchini, and it's totally collapsed. I mean, the leaves are still on it, but they're laying on the ground turned upwards. They're dead. They're dead zucchini. Do you know what it takes to kill a zucchini? (laughs) It takes nuclear bombs to kill zucchini. They grow this long. You play baseball with them. It's a bat. You play baseball with them. But my zucchini had died. And then then I got real defensive. Then immediately I turned and I looked back over across the garden to the carrot section. And I looked over there and I walked over <gasps> I have three fences around my zucchini. I have my chicken wire so that one thing can't get in. Then I have my five-foot plastic fencing, another six inches out from that, and then I have my metal fencing for the big critters, you know, like the elephants, to keep them from getting in there. Seriously stuff. I have three fences to protect my carrots, and something had eaten the tops off of some of my carrots. Okay, so here I am needing transformation. I'm out there in my garden, all worked up and upset. Don't be deceived, Pastor Ken. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanderers, nor the swindlers, nor the upset pastors in their garden. Okay? We'll inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you, and this is where I got encouraged, were I'm no longer defined by what I used to do back then. I am now, in the sight of God, someone that's new. And the Spirit defines it by three executive orders. You were washed... Yes, you were cleansed, that's right. The moment you trusted Jesus, it's like this cascading uh, water came from heaven and just cleansed your soul and your mind and your body, and God declared you washed and clean, you're forgiven. Amen? Yes. Yes. And then the second executive order, you were sanctified, which is the Greek word meaning you're set apart. You're no longer common and ungodly. Now he has designated you to be set apart for his purposes. You have a special plan. You have been personally repurposed by the Spirit of God. Amen. And I needed all that this week in my garden. There was a work going on in the garden. And God was showing me these things. And then he says third executive order, you were justified. In the sight of God, you were declared righteous that all of Christ's perfection was assigned to your account because of what Jesus did for you on that cross and then rising from the dead. Amen. All of these things are true about you, and it says that in the name of the Lord Jesus and by means of the Spirit of the living God, all these things are true about you now. You are not defined by what you used to do. You are defined by who God declares you to be in Christ today. And so the difference is is that sometimes pastors go out into their gardens and lose it, but that doesn't mean that God gave up on him. It means that he kind of lost it from God. But God says, you're still mine. And I'm so glad. If you want to join a pastor who needs help from God, who needs some executive orders, I welcome you to join me. We're not perfect, but he's working on us. Amen? He's working on us. So, he's also God, the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Trinity. We sang about him. We Boy, this sounds like uh, the Apostles' Creed. Yes, that God, the Holy Spirit, the third paragraph in the Apostles' Creed is all about God, the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. And then we have these examples, uh, you know, I sometimes use big words, forgive me, it's my college days, I guess, I haven't got over college even yet. So first of all, Peter said, Ananias, Ananias had messed up, he, he you know, sold some property, pretended to give all the money to God, so he was kind of lying about it. And so Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit hmm. and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? And then just next it says, you've not lied just to human beings, but you've lied to God. See, the Holy Spirit is God. And he's equal with the Lord himself. Now the Lord is the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so I'm still still working on some of that freedom. So I got out to my garden. I, I just stopped and I said, God, I'm glad you're not finished with me yet. I'm not very patient with deer. I'm not very patient with the ants that made my zucchini collapse. I'm not very patient with the rabbit that got somehow into my carrots. But God helped me to love them anyway. Mm -hmm. Because you see it says here that we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, all of his perfect character qualities, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so the Lord is the Spirit, and the Spirit is the Lord. They're one and the same. He's the third member of the Trinity. They're equal in power and might and and. Jesus came and said to them before he left, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in what? Not the names, plural, the name, singular, a collective singular. The name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons, and the Holy Spirit lives eternally just like the Son and the Father does, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse your conscience from acts that lead to death? And that's what happened to me out in the garden. God and I did business. I said, God... I I am just sorry I reacted so impulsively. I'm kind of a passionate guy. God, you know that. And the Holy Spirit's just chuckling. I just know he was as though he was learning something new about me. And I was just confessing the way I really am. And God was saying, I know. It's okay. Your conscience is free from acts that leads to death so that you can serve the living God and love the dear and the ants, and the squirrels, and everything else that attacks your garden. Hallelujah, amen. And so that's, that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's personal. He's so personal, some of you haven't even tapped into the depths of how well he already knows you and wants to work in your life, and he has the power and authority as God to do it. And now it's time to ask, what does he do? What's he do in us? What's he do through us? What can he do for us? The Spirit indwells. He lives forever in his people. He will be with you forever. Circle that, forever. Yeah, you're going to live a while. He's never going to abandon you during your lifetime. He'll never do that. He's with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world can't accept him. Why? Because it neither sees him or knows him. They don't have a relationship. He doesn't live in them. But you know him for where where is he? He's with you and will be in you. And Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. And so there's a connection here. Jesus is excited to leave because he wants the Holy Spirit to come and implement a new phase of management in your life. Oh, I suppose he could have hung around, but that's not what those disciples needed. It's not what you and I need because, you see, it takes more faith to walk without seeing than it does to have someone there right next to your side talking to you, slapping on your back, pushing you away, saying, stop. And now he's causing you to trust him even more by faith as you walk with him as he lives in you, giving you the signals. There's a spiritual problem that was spoken of clear back in the Old Testament, and I was delighted to find this because I'd never really studied it. And when I did, I go, wow, there's a problem. The human condition is, is that we don't take instructions very well, we don't follow very well, we don't. And then number two, we don't carry through perfectly. Have you noticed that about people in your life? don't like you to tell them what they're supposed to do, and even if they do, they don't consistently do it long-term. This is the human condition. What do you do about it? Well, what did God do about it? Here's the need. Here's the assessment from God himself. The need is, is that human beings need a new heart and a new spirit. A new heart because they need the motivation internally to do things right, and they need a new spirit because their attitude stinks sometimes, and they need a new attitude in how they respond to the instructions. See, God had all this nailed down thousands of years ago. And here's what he did about it. Look at what God does for you and I. He gives, he places, he removes, he gives some more, then he places something else, and then he moves you on into spiritual growth, which is your growth plan. How would you like to use these verses to go home and do something which I have a feeling a small percentage of you have ever done? Let's do the survey now. Okay, here we go. How many of you have deliberately stopped and written out your spiritual development plan? Raise your hand if you have. No, I'm serious. Raise your hand if you've actually stopped and decided you were going to write out some goals for your spiritual growth. How many of you have done that? Okay, okay. You're like last service. Very few people in the Christian community have ever done this. Why not? So, you planned your career path outright. So, you planned and spent thousands of dollars, tens of thousands on education, right? So, you actually write a list of things to do but you haven't planned out your spiritual growth plan? And now he's put his spirit in you to guide you in doing just that. How would you like to do a spiritual growth plan this week? Financially? Educationally? Occupationally? relationally. Oh, I'm meddling now. I'm getting too close to home, right? Why not? Go through each area of your life that you already have to live with and deal with and think about what's my spiritual growth plan. In fact, let's do this. Let's just pray, okay? Um, Holy Spirit of God, we know you want to guide us. We know you want to teach us. We know you care about us. You already know us. And so we're thinking about being willing to let you give us insight into our personal tailored growth plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I promise I'll move on. I won't stay there. So he gives life to our mortal bodies because our mortal bodies don't cooperate either. Have you noticed that? Your body gets in the way and oftentimes your body is a, uh, a roadblock to spiritual maturity or a spiritual obedience or or just treating your body right. And so if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you and I believe he does because you know Jesus. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. People who want to change can do that. Do you want to change? Do you want to grow? You can do it because the Spirit of God lives in you to do that. When your body gets tired, do you notice you get moody? The rest of us do. Yeah. Have you noticed when you get sick, you, you just don't get the things done that you need to get done? You, you just, it's just a roadblock. Do, do you notice? Do you notice when you go home from work and you try to relax and you don't want to be interrupted, That you're not very nice to people when they try to ask you to do something because you've checked out and they're asking you to check in? Yeah. And so it's kind of like this. Baby steps. If you haven't checked in with the Holy Spirit lately, would you be willing to just do this? just one step at a time. Are you willing to do it? In your finances, are you willing? One step. In your relationships, one step. In your marriage, one step. Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to step with God and go there? That's what he's inviting you to do with your mind, your will, emotions, and your body. It's called the exchanged life. Read this out loud with me, please. This was my favorite verse in the whole study. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What happened to the old you? Died the old self-centered you, the old controlling you, the old you that was the boss, you chose the day you trusted Christ to say this. I'm going to let you tell me right, left, gas, brakes. I'm going to listen and I'm going to become a good follower of Jesus Christ. That's the exchange life. Christ living in you. If you are trying to live the Christian life by your willpower, you will not succeed. God already said in Ezekiel, you have a problem following instructions and you have a problem with consistency. And so you might as well just believe God and buy into the exchange life and begin to let and deliberately trust in the Holy Spirit to guide you. He is the spirit of truth. And in an age where people don't even believe in truth anymore, but they still want guidance, you need the truth to be guided. Here's what Jesus said. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come, and he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus to you in increasing measure in a culture where there's multiple definitions and multiple Jesuses Jesuses out there. Go out on the street, just ask, who is Jesus to you? And it's amazing the varied answers you get. It's the Jesus of the Bible that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you and cause you to have a personal deep relationship with. In fact... The Holy Spirit uses God's Word to educate us. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. What's the sword? It's the Word of God. The Spirit takes the Word of God and incisively plants it in us and does all kinds of surgical work on our minds, our wills, our emotions, and our attitudes. That's what God does. It shouldn't surprise us because the Holy Spirit is the author of the entire Bible. He knows it forward, backward, and in between. Do you want to know what the word means? Just ask him and read it. Read it and ask him. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's where the Word of God came from, and the Holy Spirit reveals it and Jesus to us so that we can enter into the amazing adventure of the Christian life. The Spirit is our helper. Multiple translations call, it, call him different things. But the helper, I thought settled on helper because that's what he does in every area of our life. He said, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate to help you. Advocate, helper, counselor, lawyer, professor. The Holy Spirit does it all to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And so we have the help of the Holy Spirit. The only question is, are we accessing it? But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good, Jesus said, that I'm going away. It almost sounds like he's saying, it's, I need to get out of the way. I need the Holy Spirit to come for you. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove that is convict the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And so he's saying you are going to go out there and start telling people about Jesus and the Holy Spirit has the job of convicting them about the truth. Don't pressure people, don't try to manipulate people. Don't you just simply tell them about Jesus and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Yes. For it's those who are led by the Spirit of God who are the children of God. So what is the characteristic of a person who's leadable? They're listening they're teachable, and they're willing to go somewhere. Are you? If you would like to do that today, you could enter into a relationship with the Spirit of God where you are yielding and cooperative, and you more and more experience his guidance for your personal life. He already knows everything about you, all all your strengths, He knows that one weakness. You you only have one weakness, right? He knows that too. He knows it all. He knows everything. He knows what Pastor Ken said and did in the garden. Ah, ah. He's with you. He wants to lead you. People ask me this all the time. This is the most common question about the Holy Spirit. How do you know the difference between it's just your thinking and the Holy Spirit trying to tell you something? How do you know that? Here's four criteria. Are you yielded to the Spirit, or are you holding out? If you tell God, God, here's what I want you to do, and I want it done by noon tomorrow. I'll give you time to work on it. Amen. You are not submissive. You're not yielded. If you tell God there's one way, God chuckles. And then he goes, oh, let me think of the ways. The second criteria, is it true to the Word of God? Because that's what the Spirit is emphasizing to you. Does the Word say it? If it doesn't, okay, you need to ask yourself, should I be headed in that direction? Third, is the ways and means as well godly? Is it biblical? Because you can have the wrong goal and have the right way to do it. You can have the right goal and do it terribly wrong. You want the right goal and the right means so that God meets you and makes it happen. And then finally, you get to experience the fruit of it. What will it produce if you head that direction? What will the normal human being respond to you with if you say those words? The fruit will tell you whether you should head that direction. Those four criteria help you to discern. The scripture calls us not just to be led, but to go on a walk. How many of you like to go walking? It takes a bunch of steps to go on a walk. The difference between led is that someone's guiding you. When you're on a walk, you're making the decisions for each step as you go with the Spirit. And when you walk with the Spirit, when you get hit sideways by something, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh because the Spirit is the great interceptor. He's the road sign on your path that says, don't step off the cliff. He is the one who talks to your conscience and says, think about that twice. He's the one that puts that thought in your head, Well, maybe you should talk to your Christian leader or friend or mentor about that first and just think about it some more. A walk is a path of life and the Spirit wants to walk with you in every path of your life. First of all, for us, Because it says in Ephesians that when you trust him, he seals you. You don't ask him to do it. He does it automatically. It's one of the benefits of knowing him. And there's dozens of benefits that he gives you automatically. He just heaps you with blessings. He just makes you sealed. He baptizes you in the spirit. He's called you. He he regenerates you. All these things are gifts from him. It's for you. It's gifts, 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 gifts. And then there's the go to work on things the in us things. In Ephesians 5, 18, it says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So he says, let me control you. Don't put those extra substances in that'll interfere. Let me truly have freedom to work in you, to guide you. You don't have to self-medicate anymore. I can help you. The Holy Spirit is saying, let me guide you to the right answers. And yes, you may go to the doctor and take your medication, If he gives it to you, we're talking the other stuff, the self-medicate stuff. The Holy Spirit works in you, and then he works through you. Because he told his disciples that if you will wait, I will send my spirit, and you will receive power, and you will witness for me in Washougal, Washington, Camas, Washington, the gorge, even Portland, Oregon, and beyond to the uttermost parts of the world. He's got you covered in every area of your life. So why did Jesus emphasize the Holy Spirit and that he needed to get out of here? Because the Holy Spirit is going to do greater things in you than you would ever have imagined, and you have to trust him for it. It's by faith. It's not by sight. It's by faith. It's by faith. It's by faith. Are you willing to walk and go on the journey and be led by him every day of your life? You see, Oswald Chambers was right. The Holy Spirit cannot be located as a guest in a house. He invades everything. Everything. Stand with me, would you? We'll pray. Lord Jesus, it's good to be together and it's good to know you. And I, I just sense that there's some people here that want a relationship with you that's like this, that's dynamic, that's personal. A guidance system, the guidance system of the universe that you personally provide for anyone who would believe in Jesus the Son as Savior and leader. If you want that, would you just head bow, raise your hand if you want it. Just raise your hand if you want that relationship. Yes, 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 yes. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? He's waiting. Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? He's waiting for you. Lord Jesus, faith has just come to these people. And so together, we all join them in this journey. Whether you take us to a garden this week or to work or down the freeway or flying somewhere around the world, your spirit is there and we invite you as you're living in us to lead us and guide us. We want to listen. God's people said, amen. Have a good one. See you next week.